You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am extremely fortunate and excited to have Chris Norton, motivational speaker, author on the Magna Method Podcast today. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Absolutely. Uh, we, we talked a while back, and um, you, you know, you're supposed to be on the show earlier. You were an absolute priority to get on the show, and I know you're a very busy man. We're going to hear all about it. Um, but man, thanks for being on the show. It's a huge honor to have you. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm happy to share my story and uh, just give more inspiration, hope to more people. Oh, man, you're 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 a, a volcano of inspiration, uh, and I want everyone to hear your story. So, uh, please um, walk us through the uh, story, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. p- please let everyone know uh, what's going on because it's an amazing story. Yeah. So my story really, uh, I guess you could say, picks up. About nine years ago, in October 16, 2010, uh, I was just a freshman at Luther College, 18-year-old kid, and everything was going according to plan. Uh, Life was just great. I worked my way up to the the varsity unit. I was playing more than any freshman on my college team. And in the sixth game of the season, uh, it's the third quarter. We just score a touchdown, which means it's our turn to kick the ball off. And so I line up on the right side of the field. The ball's kicked. And I sprint downfield as hard as I possibly can go. And I see this opening for me. And I know the ball carries are run through there. He's trying to score a touchdown. I'm going to stop him. I'm going to drive my shoulder so hard through his legs that he's going to drop the ball. Well, I see that opening. And I hit him at full speed. But I mistimed my jump just by a split second. Instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier, my head collides right with his legs. Oh my goodness. In an instant, I lose all feeling and movement from my neck down. And I was completely conscious. I was trying to push off the ground, but nothing was working. I was just really confused and I was just waiting until my strength would come back and just get off the field and walk off. And that, you know, as a eighteen year old kid too, I was just thinking this is very minor. I just, nothing bad can actually happen to me. Like it's not going to be a big deal. You know, bad things happen to other people. Just give it more time. Right. And so I just kept trying to get off the ground and, and nothing was working and uh, little did I know, but I just suffered a severe spinal cord injury and it would take me years, many years before I'd ever be able to stand again. Whew. Man. Um, so you're how old when 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 you went through that uh, the accident? I was eighteen, 18 years old. So was 18. Just a freshman in college. And you you followed football. It was your dream to be a college football player. It was. I love football. I mean, I just love the the physicality of it. That um, it's the sport that it's like encouraged to be very physical. Right. And the, probably the more physical you are, the better you are. Um, really at the sport, and so. 
you know, outside of football, outside of, like the helmet in the past, you know, I was a nice um, person. I, you know, I wasn't an aggressive person, but when you put on the pads and the helmet, you know, you can just let all the anger, frustration, and aggression that you want. And it's encouraged. And I love that. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. So that's what um, football was really, I really drawn to, towards football. And I knew what my thinking was going to college football was that I can only play four more years of this. I didn't have any like NFL aspirations or anything like that. I wasn't um, quite that kind of athlete, but uh, I thought, you know, I can play four more years of football, whereas like basketball, another sport that I love, you know, I could play that, you know, forever mm-hmm. um, in, in different leagues. So I, I want to get the most out of this next four years. And uh, little did I know that something like a spinal cord injury could happen. So, um, well, we, we, we have the football in common, and I think it's a special game as well, and it brings a lot of special people together. Tell us about the steps, because there's a lot of really, like, you're an extraordinary person. It's no surprise that you're ex- surrounded by extraordinary people. Um, you, your sister decides to move close to you to assist you, which I think is an incredibly heroic and special thing that she did. Alice is her name, correct? Yeah, Alex. Alex, I'm sorry. So tell us about that story, the steps that followed. Yeah, so, you know, after that, the injury on the football field, I'm flown out to Rochester, Minnesota. I have emergency surgery. Uh, the next day, you know, I wake up and the surgeon tells me I have a 3% chance of ever regaining any feeling or movement back below the neck. And at that point, you know, I don't know where it came from, but I just said, no way, not me. No way, not me. I'm not gonna accept this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what it, where that came from. I, I would imagine myself being like trapped in my own body uh, with a 3% chance to move anything. I, I would've figured I would become hysterical. That I'd wanna give up, but mm-hmm. I'm just like this strength um, came through me that I wasn't going to accept it. I was going to do whatever I could to to fight. And so I just kept fighting and chipping away, getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And eventually, you know, nine months go by of just progressing and I want to go back to school. And I didn't know how I was ever going to go back to college when I depend on so many people. Like I depend on people to, you know, get me up in the morning, to uh, get me out of bed, to get me changed, um, to help with like a shower. Um, take, I would have to help getting into class, getting my books. I mean, the list goes on and on of all the things that we need help with. And, you know, I, that transition sounded daunting to ever live mm. a normal college life. And that's where my sister just voluntarily just offered up, hey, like, I, Chris, I'll live off campus um, so I can help you with your transition, get you to do your classes, um, help you in the mornings if you need help or you know, whatever it may be, I'll be there to help you out. Um, so she just offered up. She just graduated from nursing school and just didn't even care that she's just going to commit a year of her life just to around her younger brother. And it just kind of shows the kind of character that she has and the selflessness of her. And then on top of that, I was also surrounded by my teammates. Um, he, 19-year-old guys who I only barely knew, five of them, um, moved into an apartment with me and so they can also help as full-time caregivers with wow. my sister's help. Wow. So I, I was surrounded by all these phenomenal people plus the entire college. Um, people who were just, they just wanted to help uh, any way they could. 
and that's what I realized too, just being in a, a wheelchair, is that I had the privilege to bring out the best in people because people take a quick look at me, they see the challenges that I face, and they want to be kind, they want to be helpful and encouraging, um, which I really appreciate. But there's something I've also been thinking about is that, you know, I don't consider my challenges to be the only challenges that there are in the world, that there's challenges that you can't see, and that we're all facing challenges. And just, but yeah, it's just the truth is most of them you just can't see. You can't see anxiety or depression or uh, the loss of a loved one, a divorce, financial debt, mm. uh, and the list goes on and on of the, the struggles and the challenges people are facing. And I think if everyone could treat each other like they would treat me, I think this world would be uh, a great place. But That's very well said. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. You know what? You're surrounded... Uh, the act by your sister and then your teammates, because you, you're a freshman, and as you said, you, you didn't know them that well. I mean, if it was after a four-year period with them, that'd be a little bit different, but these are guys who are still getting to know you, and you're surrounded by all this support and love. How did you feel getting all this uh, support? Because, man, it, that, that sounds like beautiful acts of kindness. Well, how did that make you feel? How did you receive you know, it? You know, what changed my view on the world and on people um, I, I realized just how good people are and just how to our core um, people are nice and they're caring and they're loving and they, they want to help. And I think it's, uh, I think my challenge is being visible um, just forces me to be more vulnerable with what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And as a result, people, they want to be there and want to be helpful. And so I was taken aback by just how, generous other people were and you also though learn of the friends that you thought were your really good friends and then they tend turned out to be not so great as you know you, you see which friends are the more generous ones who are willing to sacrifice and give up you know extra time or extra effort to be there for you um so i, I really learned a lot too about my friends of who stepped up and who didn't step up um, which was interesting, but you know, a lot of people did step up. And the thing for me then too was to make sure I acknowledged and appreciated all the help that I was giving mm-hmm. um, because it's so easy to overlook and take for granted the help that you're getting, um, especially like for me. When I, I ex- it was kind of became a time early on where I expected help. You know, I, I can't get out of bed, and you know, I can't get in the bed. You know, I can't do this, I can't do that. So I just, I just need your help. That's just like an expectation that I need someone's help. And I took it for granted versus just very much so like acknowledging them and, and really thanking them and appreciating um, the time that they were giving to help me. And that was something I learned to just always be appreciative, always be um, building other people up, uh, even for the smallest things that they do for you, just always acknowledging it because then they want to help you even more. Uh, and then it's not a big deal for them to help you. Um, but there was a time period I just kind of took it for granted. Just, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't do it. I, you just got to do it. Um, versus just, hey, I, I really appreciate you helping me and giving up your time. It really means a lot to me. And then they would they love to help even more. Do you think it's possible to find that um, <clears throat> amount of clarity or understanding or, I guess, appreciation without going through something you know uh, that's life-changing because what you're talking about i i want to say i understand but i don't think that would be fair 
Um, I don't think I could ever understand um, the level that you're at in, you, in regards to your mindset and the way you approach life now uh, as opposed to before. Do you think it's possible to find a high level of appreciation without you know, something like this, something incredibly challenging? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, it's my goal and it's my hope, especially like, you know, as a motivational speaker, as an author, that I can communicate what I've gone through and my change of mindset and view on life. And hopefully that can give someone else like kind of a high level appreciation and mindset and attitude. Um, from what I've got undergone because I don't want anybody else to have to go through a spinal cord injury or anything life-changing for them to Obtain something that I've learned experienced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's kind of makes it my job and my responsibility to do the best that I can to Hopefully communicate that and for people to feel that way and uh, I think that's um, You know, I think it's always something I'm working on but I can definitely see it, it's going really well just seeing how my speaking business and um, the books and the also a film coming out how that's been able to really grow and to expand i think because it is making people feel a high level of appreciation and gratitude and it's empowering um it just gives you just a different perspective on life that i mean we all need though that too i mean i, I need sometimes a, a perspective or a mindset shift and there's just times where you might be a little unmotivated and um, sometimes you seek it from other ways. They can't always be internal, which we'd love for it to be. But I think it's also recognizing when you need to look for it in other ways. Um, maybe it's a motivational speaker, a book or a podcast like this one, or it's um, going to the gym or it's just a friend or a mentor to speak life into you, but, or it could be your faith. So mm-hmm. I think um, just make sure you, you, you recognize that and you seek it out. But, uh, hopefully, I'm doing my job and giving people that high level of appreciation and, and attitude. I think you are. I, I think you are. And, you know, was there, a, I mean, I'm sure you had countless moments like this, but can you think of one specific moment that was so incredibly challenging? Because what you said, to, it, it spoke volumes when you said, look, Mark, I couldn't do anything for myself. I had to completely rely on other people. Um, I mean, that's got to be something that's like, that's, that's incredibly hard. Like now you're, you know, you, you're a strong man. You do a lot of things that you're, you're, you're very, uh, function, you're highly functional. But when you were going through in, in trying to figure things out, was there a specific moment that you remember that said, I'm, you know, I'm going to overcome and I am going to triumph through this thing. Yeah, you know, a big moment came for me about the fourth night in the hospital. I was in the ICU, and going to bed, first off, is the worst. Like, I hated going to sleep because I'm just laying there, trapped in my own body. Just every single time I tried to, like, move something, and I couldn't, I would just send myself in a panic attack. And then my mind is just racing of just, you know, what's my future going to look like? Am I always going to be in a wheelchair will I ever play sports again like that was my identity it was wrapped up in sports and my strength and my independence and then just got stripped away from me and then another question was will I ever meet a girl that would want to be with me so I was just thinking and just it was just miserable time especially to go to bed because during the day you know I had great distractions with 
family, friends, and physical and occupational therapy. Like I was always working and busy, but then when everything's quiet, it just it just sucks. And there's no other way to put it. Well, about 3 a.m., 4 a.m., this physician comes into my room to check my vitals, which is typical. Someone checks your vitals every two hours and then they leave. But she does something different. She comes over to my bedside. She gets down on one knee and she says, Chris, look me in the eyes. And she was kind of mean about it. And so I, I lock eyes with her and she's this short, slender woman, um, short reddish hair, glasses, probably in her 60s. And she has this voice that sounds like she came straight out of a Western movie. <laughs> and so she says, my name is Georgia. I'm from Wyoming. Do you know anyone from Wyoming? And I say no. And I'm thinking, you know, where is this going? And then she says, well, people from Wyoming don't tell lies. And I want you to know you will beat this. You will beat this. And I just instantly just break down crying wow. right on the spot. It was just so powerful. I just, I needed to hear those words so badly. And it was like the conviction in her voice just went right to my soul. And the thing about Georgia is that she didn't just say you can beat this. She said that you will beat this. And I mm. believe her. She, she gave me complete confidence over my biggest struggle of my life. And it just restored my hope and faith. And after that moment, every single physical therapy, occupational therapy session, I, you know, I hear those words of you will beat this. And I just discovered just how impactful you know, words can be. But it was that. It was those words that just gave me so much life and hope to just keep going. Because up to that point, I was questioning, like, is it even worth it to put all this time and effort into my training? Like, will it even pay off? Mm. And it was those words that gave me the answer that I was looking for. It's just, you got to keep going, even if you don't know where you're going. Man, wow. Sounds like a, it was a special angel sent down to give you that powerful message, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's incredible. You still keep in contact with her? You know, I don't. Um, I met her, or saw her like about two years after that exchange, and I told her just how much her words meant to me and how much courage and hope it gave me. But now, you know, we're almost nine years out. Okay. She has no idea how much I talk about her now. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, maybe she'll walk into one of your speeches one day. So. Tell, yeah. th that, that was incredible. Thank you for sharing. Tell, tell us now, so you ventured in, how did you start the motivational speaking? Because from what I've heard, you're an exceptional motivational speaker. Um, how, how did you start down that road? Well, it came, you know, after I went to college and uh, people were you know, interested in my recovery and my story of going from motionless and a 3% chance to being able to, you know, move my body a little bit more in my arms and um, have a positive attitude. People were just, they just wanted that. Like, you know, share that story. And so I just began to share my story and then people were just inspired by it. I, I mean, I knew I wasn't doing a very good job. I was just kind of spitballing, telling little bits of my stories, like no formal speech or I just, uh, just kind of winged it. And, but people were, you know, moved to tears and they would laugh and, um, and I just enjoyed that. I just saw how life-changing that could be. And I really saw that happen when I was at a fundraiser dinner when I was in 
college and the organizer said, Hey, there's a new couple of professional speakers. They're going to go before you. Um, you know, this could be a profession for you. Mm. And I was like a profession. Like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know, they get paid to speak. Like, that's what they do for a living. I'm like, what? You can get paid to speak to people. I thought people just volunteer their time to do something like that. And, um, I just was blown away that I could be a profession that you can make an income out of helping people um, by just speaking to them. And I, I realized the value that you can add. And then it went really well. And I just kind of looked back since just knowing that I have an opportunity to impact a life and empower them and give hope to the hopeless and um, shine light where there's darkness. And um, having that opportunity gives me kind of a, a sense of responsibility to spread my message and give people hope. So I just kept chipping away, working at it. And I just did a ton of free events. I would just volunteer my time and offer to speak. And I just would record it and I would watch the videotape, just kind of like in a football or any kind of sport that you play. You watch the tape, you watch the practice tape, you watch a game film. And I just kept getting better and better and got a speech coach and, um, you know, started just attending seminars and just learning as much as I can. And, you know, here I am, you know, five years later, just after uh, chipping away at it, um, and, you know, it's a good growing business and I can, it will take care of myself and my family. That's incredible. You know, that, that, that film room skill is so transferable to life, just repetition, mm-hmm. learning, watching, critiquing thousands of times. It's such yep. a great, great skill that you can take to anything. Uh, when was your last speech? It would have been uh, just this last week. Uh-huh. I spoke to uh, I spoke to a, a different, a interesting group. It was a funeral directors. Oh wow! Yeah, um, funeral director owners. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. And, and so yeah, I, I you... open and close conferences. Okay. So like I so I so I'm just gonna explain that. Please. I don't just speak to funeral directors. Like I speak to just <laughs> an array of audiences. Um, just. From, you know, I've even spoken to kids a lot too, but, you know, now I do a lot of conferences uh, for businesses, associations where they're looking for an empowering, uplifting message, either at the beginning or at the end or during the, their lunch or dinner hour. Um, something that's just going to motivate them and reinforce um, what the organization is trying to get across just in a, an impactful way. So mm-hmm. that's where they bring me in. Okay. Okay, and you're working. I want to hear a little bit about your family before I hear about the other projects, if you don't mind. So you said you weren't sure if you were going to find that woman who want to spend their rest of their days with you, and you certainly found her. Tell us about your family. Yeah, so about three years after my injury, you know, I'm still kind of searching for uh, the right girl, and uh, you know, I've always had aspirations to, um, you know. Have find the woman of my dreams and to be a father, and I was questioning, you know, what would that happen? Well, you know, I was online and I met this girl, and, and her name was Emily, and yeah, you know, I thought it was just like any other girl, just would just kind of fizzle out. But she started asking me some of the hard hitting questions that uh, no one else would ever ask, just like questions like, Chris, what was it like right after the doctor told you you had three percent chance? to move anything below your neck, just um, really personal things that um, no one else would were really comfortable asking right away. And it just kind of allowed me to open up and share about, um, 
you know, some of those times and moments and it just made me feel uh, more confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of by revealing kind of more of your vulnerabilities. And uh, she was just really curious and it just, our conversations just kept going. And then eventually we met and uh, she was even more uh, beautiful on the inside than the outside. Like she was just, she was way out of my league. So I had no idea why she kept talking to me and hanging out with me. And uh, it just led to a relationship. And she really then helped me too to also accomplish a big goal of mine, which was to walk across the stage in my college graduation. Because uh, I, that was a goal I wanted to do to kind of close out school because I opened up school with this injury. And then I want to end on a high note by walking across the stage. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. So she really helped push me with my training. Uh, she found some great trainers and uh, borrowers methods too um, to get my legs working and walking. And then she walked me across the stage. And before wow. she walked me across the stage, though, I proposed to her. I was more nervous for that proposal than the walk in front of thousands of people. And so uh, she helped me get across and um, I was, we were blown away by the response. People were just cheering, clapping, they were crying. And I had a friend there that was videotaping it and we're like, well, we should put this on YouTube. And so we put it on YouTube and that video just went viral. We, it went all across the world. Uh, we then got invited to go on like Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, and uh, a number of other TV shows that we were featured on, um, both nationally and internationally. And we just were blown away by how viral. Um, that so video I, I watched it. That's it's an incredible video. So everyone should definitely check it out. Yeah. So then that um, is how we started off our our engagement was with the uh, graduation walk and. Um, not too long after that, though, we set the goal that we wanted to walk down the aisle of our wedding. And so we trained in, in for that to walk seven yards. And we were able to successfully walk seven yards and did it side by side. And seven yards marked the seven years of uh, since my injury. And then that also went viral, too. So that was a, a neat opportunity to kind of do that same national and international media um, with that. But we just saw the opportunity to, to lift people up. There's just a lot of people who needed hope and needed strength to persevere. And if we could do that just through these videos, then we were we knew we had to do that um, for others. Man, um, I mean, tell me what it was like in walking those seven yards to her uh, for the ceremony. Yeah, so how we did it was that we wanted to walk, I guess, back down the aisle after we you know were officially married so to kind of like leave the the ceremony together and the thing about that one was first is the graduation one the graduation walk i was so nervous like i was so nervous like i wanted to throw up like i didn't want to mess up and i was just wanting everything to go perfect and then the wedding walk was there's so much more peace of just like you know what it's it's in god's hands like i know how hard i worked and you know what whatever happens happens and just the fact that we are together and we have each other and we're surrounded by our loved ones like that's what really is important so whether i trip and fall or um something else happens like so be it right um just like we just had a lot of peace um with the wedding walk and just really more so enjoyed the moment versus the graduation walk 
it was hard to enjoy the moment because I was just so nervous. I just wanted everything to go so well. And um, so that was definitely a difference and a transformation um, for both of us. So just having that inner peace of just letting things go as they go. Um, we worked for it. We, we trained and we wanted everything to go great. But um, just knowing that, you know, whatever happens, that we have each other and life is going to be great no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's incredible. Um, now tell us about your, your you, you have a couple kids. Is, is that it? Just one? Yeah, so uh, my wife and I, while we were engaged, uh, we accepted our first foster placement of a 17-year-old. Wow. Um, her name was Whitley, and so we took her in, and we helped her to, to graduate high school, and then we were just hooked on the fostering. Um, we, we just wanted to open our homes to more and more kids, and so we went from one to we eventually we have fostered a total of 17 children. And uh, we had a sibling group of four girls that we brought in. And then uh, then we started adopting some of our kids too. So we adopted Whitley, the oldest one, um, a 17 year old, um, when she was 19 back in December, 2018. And then we adopted a sibling group of four girls, um, four sisters um, back in February. So our kids ages right now are 29, eight, five, and three. So we have all girls. All, all girls that's it you have your handfuls yeah. my friend yeah no for sure and it's always uh, an interesting dynamic too when um you're parenting someone who's six and seven years younger than you uh, i can remember when she called in um sick from school and so I, I go to pick her up and i get to the nurse's office and i say I'm, you know i'm here to pick up whitley and they're, they look at me they're like well, I'm sorry, but students can't check another student out. And so then she just chimes in, like, hey, that's my dad. And the <laughs> look on that nurse's face was just priceless. Oh, just, goodness. And, like, what in the world? Like, just the that whole dynamic of being so close in age it can be pretty funny. That is funny. Um, so what's your plan now you you're you're working on a book i want to hear tell us about the book first and then we're going to hear about your plans for the future yeah so we are coming out our book july 9th uh it'll be available everywhere books are sold it's called the seven longest yards and it's just our journey emily and i together we co-authored it of just going from that football field to that wedding walk and just everything in between and just we want to show people that our lowest moments can be the source of our greatest strengths and blessings. And that just to take one step and one foot in front of the other, even in the face of the impossible, because uh, we all go through challenges and adversity, but we just have to keep going. And we hope that this book will be kind of that example, that template uh, to be able to keep going no matter what you're facing. And so it's, like I said, co-author, we have a, a great thing, ghostwriter. And uh, we're just really looking forward to the message that that book is going to carry and really um, speak life into people and give them courage with what they're facing. So um, it's co-authored or like we alternate chapters and paragraphs. But a big thing, too, in the book that I'm just kind of a little spoiler alert is that um, Emily opens up about her anxiety and her depression. Really? Um, it's something something that no one really knows about um it's something that you know something she didn't want to talk about 
but she understands that a lot of people go through anxiety and depression. It's not easy to talk about, but maybe she can talk about it and um, tell how she what how she went through it and then how she got out of it could be a source of inspiration for someone else out there who's going through the same thing, which, you know, millions of people go through and um, it's just not talked about enough. And just like how you would treat a broken bone is how you should treat your mind and your, mm -hmm. your mental health. Mm -hmm. And you just gotta, you gotta get help and um, it's okay if, if you are going through that. So I'm really proud of her for just her willingness to share some very vulnerable times and moments uh, in her life. Well, she's definitely going to help some people with that story. I can see that. Um, so that's incredibly kind of her. In, in your plans moving forward, um, what, what's the ultimate goal for you? Because I, I don't think I know of a couple that's adding more value to the world than yourself and your wife. Um, what else do you want to accomplish? Because you're, you've checked off so many amazing boxes to add value to this world. What else would you like to do? You know, that's a, a great question. I'm, you know, my goal is just to continue to use, you know, our story and our message to reach others and to help others. Uh, we just have seen the, the impact it can make. And just, again, it kind of this responsibility to continue to reach others. So we, we're hopeful that, you know, this book will be able to reach people on a large level and to inspire them. And then we also have a film coming out called The Seven Yards Film. Uh, it's a documentary film on, on my story and with Emily. And uh, we're working on the distribution plan for it right now. Um, so we don't know when it's going to be released, but uh, we're excited about that. And then, um, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to drive again. I have a, a truck that's fully modified um, so I can be more independent. You know, I'm looking forward to just being uh, a, a dad, you know, whether it's, you know, being part of the, the Little League or uh, going to basketball games or, cheerleading whatever it may be just um that adventure of being a dad and um seeing my girls grow up and we're going to continue to foster as well um so we'll continue to bring in uh, more kids that need a home and need a place to feel safe and loved and special and then uh, maybe even having one of our own kids um so just looking forward to you know our family and um, just seeing the, the speaking the book the film everything kind of grow and expand and then i'm still training on my own self my, my physical strength so i'm still working on my walking i'm still in a wheelchair and uh, i still need a lot of help um, but i'm at the same time i'm very content with where i'm at i'm hopeful for the future but i'm very content uh, with my life i love my life i could go back and change that play i wouldn't change it because i just appreciate and grateful for everything that i do have and my injury has led me to Emily and to also I saw a nonprofit to help other people with disabilities. Um, the, the books, the films, the speaking, everything came from this injury. And so I, there's no way I would take that back mm -hmm. and take back the opportunity to, to help and reach a lot of people. Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't bet against you in anything you set your mind to do. I think you're going to accomplish everything uh, you set out to do and then some. So uh, I just, uh, just in my brief talks, I can and there's something really powerful that comes off you, my friend. When does the book come out and when does the film come out? So we can let people know how to pick up the book and watch the film. Yeah, so the book is July 9th. And be everywhere where books are sold, the book will be available. Um, you know, you can go to my website too and, and learn more about the book, the film, 
um, or myself, just at chrisnorton.org. And then the film is to be determined. Uh, right now we're in some exciting conversations behind the scenes for distribution. So hopefully you'll, everyone will be able to see that on a, on a great platform. Um, but we'll have to, hopefully maybe by the time the show is released, uh, maybe the show notes or something, we'll have the, the news about that. But at this point, uh, nothing to share there as we're still waiting. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, before we get, get step off this show now, uh, Chris, give them your social media uh, handles so we can uh, make sure everyone follows the progress and your story. Yeah, of course. You know, we're pretty active on social media, and you can follow me at Chris A. Norton 16. Chris A. Norton 16. Um, so that's across the board for all the different social media channels is, is the, that line. So, okay, um, perfect. Yeah, give me a follow. Perfect. I can't thank you enough for being on the show, man. You've given inspiration to myself, my family, and um, I know you're going to give it to millions more. So, thank you very much. And yeah. good luck in the book and the movie. I'm going to be watching it. I'm definitely going to be watching it. Yeah. And also, one other thing, too, Margaret, just thought of uh, something that your listeners can have for free. Please. Uh, a little giveaway is. Um, you can get the first two chapters of the book right away if you just um, text the message with your phone seven yards and you can do like the digit seven then yards or just write out seven then yards to the number four four two 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 again if you just send the message seven yards to the number four four two 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 uh, you'll get the first two chapters of our newest book and then you can also see the documentary trailer and social media links and everything perfect um, sent to you perfect yep. i love that it's going to be great well also my friend thank you for your time you are a powerful human being adding great value to the world so i thank you thank you very much for being on the magnum method podcast give my best to your family and keep inspiring the world brother yeah thanks you too mark appreciate it